This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We'll recap UFC Fight Night, Vieira vs. Tate. We do not have a card to preview this week, so uh, last but not least, we'll hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts. Here we go. Alright, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. This week we got a real quick hitter, um, real quick recap, some segments, and then we'll be on our way for our Thanksgiving break here. So uh, looking forward to that. But um, before we get into all that, we will uh, start as we always do with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. Uh, Alright, so take of the week um, this week is... Uh, so Joanne Calderwood or Woods, whatever you want to call her, her husband is her uh, chief cornerman. And I think like the Aspen lad stuff's gotten around a little too much because uh, it seems like him and there was one other fighter I thought I saw recently where this is like they're just trying to act the complete opposite of Aspen lads, cornerman slash husband in the corner. It's like Joanne Calderwood's husband. I, he's like, uh, please uh, take a step forward, please. Um, throw the, <laughs> yeah, uh, throw the jab cross like uh, when you can, babe. Uh, don't worry about it if you can't, but uh, we're just going to need you to uh, to try and do this. Give me your best. Give me your best try, baby. Like it was just unbelievable. He's like, just sounded so ridiculous. Meanwhile, like she's getting steamrolled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, good, very good. Like just try not to get punched as much in the face. And uh, she's getting hit and over and over again. Yeah, I I did notice that. Um, I don't know. I have a kind of a crazy take that like, do some of these female fighters know that they don't have to uh, get married to their coaches? Like, is this just like the weirdest trend? <laughs> right. It's not Dude, really something I you can just like, speak uh, on, but I uh, I thought that too. I think just recently, I'm like, what? Like every single female fighters coach was or has been their husband. I feel like recently, I'm like at least like way more than I ever remember it being in the past. So. Dude, go down the line and think about it. Like, it's pretty, uh, pretty prevalent in the sport. Basically, every female fighter or every coach that's married is married to a like a UFC female. Like, every coach is married right. to one of the fighters. It's and if they're not, they're probably cheating on their husband with their coach. You know, it just that's the way it seems like. This well, I mean, going, you know, I'm pretty sure Misha Tate left her previous husband for her current coach, so she's also married to her coach. Right. It just, uh, he's not our head corner, though. He's just like a strength and conditioning coach or something. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Well, either way. Yeah, you go down the line, it's like, do they know that they don't, like that's not part of the arrangement? Because it seems like, uh, I mean, unless you're Rose and Pat Barry, that then it might have been part of the arrangement. But <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I don't know. You just spend a lot of time with them, so probably just end up, you know, whatever. Yeah, I guess so. It's a strange, uh, strange arrangement. But at the end of the day, um, you might be right that this there might be some uh, residual fallout from the from the Aspen Lad uh, verbal abuse situation because that that was a little too uh, a little too tiptoeing. They're recently married right. though, so maybe he's still like on his best behavior. Uh, honeymoon phase, yeah. You can't get can't get wild in the corner like Aspen Lad's <laughs> situation. Yeah, that's a couple years down the road. That's when things start getting uh, <laughs> getting crazy. 
I don't know. I, I think it's just separating the coach from the from the husband. You know, I, I didn't think it was that bad to ask him that thing because, I mean, everybody else's coach talks to him like that. So, yeah, to think like he can't just because they're, it's his husband or whatever. So I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not on the side of like calling out Aspen Lad's uh, uh, coach slash husband here. I just think uh, Joanne Caller was just ridiculous and trying not to sound like that on the corner cam. I don't know if he was like that the whole time or just when the corner cam got put on him. I'm not sure, but um, if you think that's bad, you should see some of the kids whose dads were their coaches when when I was in Little League. They put these uh, MMA coaches to shame the way they used to <laughs> verbally abuse their kids. Yeah, right. No, for real. I feel the same way. And possibly physically abused, but either way, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to keep an eye on it. I mean, every time a girl fights, it's usually their husband in the corner. So why don't we? Uh, why don't we just start tracking it? keeping an eye on if the yeah. if they're trending it a little more they're behaving a little uh a little nicer i will say though yeah, i might have to aspen lad's corner slash husband he was trying a little too hard i'm not saying he was being abusive but he was definitely going for extra style points for the camera and it didn't really pan yeah, out his definitely. way <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah i think it was just one of those things where he like maybe he thought it was getting like seeing a whole completely different way he thought like i'm being so motivating right yeah now. he thought like, he was uh, giving like the al pacino <laughs> pep talk and uh and he given sunday and he was yeah. <laughs> he was just bombing yeah i think that could be the case here you never know until oh, the public shit. sees it so yeah rough go right. for him but maybe uh maybe uh joanne wood's husband uh will get be a favorite a little more by the by the public so um like I said, we can, we can track it, though, because every week it's like a husband-wife team out there somewhere, except for uh, Cheyenne Buys got herself a performance bonus, and then she divorced her husband, so he won't. JP Buys won't be in her corner anymore, so that's one we won't be able to watch for. Two losses, divorce, probably getting cut from the UFC. Hey, poor JP, man. Was it the two losses for him, or was it the performance bonus for her? She's like, dude, I'm not sharing my performance bon- bonus with a guy who loses every fight. See Doesn't she have to share it with them though? They were they were married when then she got it right. He gets half of that when they get divorced, right? Maybe she thinks she'll get another one, and she's looking at his prospects of definitely never getting a performance <laughs> bonus. So, yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Not really pulling his weight. So, other than that though, we can uh, we can track uh, we can track the rest of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll move on to my take. My take's not even a take. I was watching some fights. I'm trying to get a good read here for. Uh, Upcoming title fight, Poirier versus Oliveira. So I was watching some uh, some old Poirier fights, some old Oliveira fights, um, and I came across them. I watched the Max Holloway-Dustin Poirier fight. Do you remember the the odds for that fight? This is before I was really betting a lot. Max uh, was a minus 220 no, favorite. In the recent, yeah, recently at 155? Yeah, two, 2018. Jeez. Yeah, Um and this is why. This is what I was. This is kind of like my take. It's just like a. It's more like a, a, a walk down memory lane type thing. Do you remember when people thought that Max was going to be better at 155 than he was at 145? That's all they talked yeah, about the yeah. first two rounds of the fight. And it clearly wasn't the case. I mean, it, it was. The problem was he didn't put on any weight. Like, he looked just as skinny as he does. Like, Poirier is like substantially bigger than at 155 than he was at 145. Like, like I always say, if you don't put on, if you don't put the work in to fill out the frame at 155, and actually have to cut as much weight to get to 155 as you did to get to 145, 
then you're not going to do good up at the next weight class unless I mean, unless you're just there's some outlier. But for the most part, in most fighters, that's the case, I think. Yeah, but it just it was almost like a flashback because we look at it now like, yeah, he doesn't really have any future at 155 and he makes 145 easily. And that's clearly his division. But then I, it was like a flashback. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember now because he was ha- doing those weird interviews where he was like slurring his words and stuff. And people are like, he's going to have to stop cutting so much weight soon. He's going to have to move up to 155. He's going to be better when he stops uh, putting so much stress on his body. And now it's like looking back, it's like that was never even close. He was a minus 220 favorite over Dustin. Dustin pretty much beat the brakes off him. Also, last week talked about Max never getting dropped. Dustin dropped him, but he was so close to the fence that he fell his back touched the fence before his butt touched the canvas. So oh, kinda wow. puts a little uh kind of puts a little uh a little knock on my stat there that twenty five fights he's never been dropped. So doing my tape study, hey, coming across all dropped. sorts of things. So but yeah, I mean I'm Yeah, but hey, when you're talking about him uh Holloway slurring his speech, did yeah. you know that turned out he's like getting poisoned by like a supplement he was taking or something? Or I don't, <laughs> there's some story behind it. He said he couldn't he said there was like maybe pending litigation or something. Oh like, yeah, so I did. He couldn't go into it, but there I was something up. Like there was some. I don't know if it was a supplement poisoning, but I know it was something weird. Like maybe something something like that. So yeah, it wasn't that he was just couldn't make the weight from the weight cuts. It was like I, it was something else that was going on. Well, wasn't it the Khabib fight? He was gonna fight at one fifty five anyways when he was slurring real bad. Yep. Yeah, it was. But he was gonna try to make it in like seven days or something. So that was just some insane, a whole insane, like memory lane thing. I was like, man, I forgot that everyone thought that Max was going to just move, win the belt, win the interim belt in that fight and then move up and fight Khabib. And then he was going to spend the rest of his days at 155, which clearly now, I mean, I, he'll probably, he'll probably never fight at 155 again, unless it's like the end of his career or he gets some freak show fight or he uh, just has a matchup he likes. But I mean, Title-wise, I don't think he'll ever go back up to 155. He did beat Charles Oliveira, though, who it is the current champion. So, I mean, I guess it is possible. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, if if, uh, if he loses this next fight versus Volkanovski, then, like, he doesn't have really mu- much opportunity at 145 until Volkanovski yeah. loses. So, you know, he might have to move up to 155 if he wants uh, like a chance at a title or if he's just... You know, there's not even that many more people for him to fight at 145. If he, uh, I would say he just clears out 145, but he almost already has. Yeah, he's just railroaded because then he, there's no one left to fight, and, and he's not going to get a fourth fight against Volkanovski if he doesn't win it. So, yeah, who knows? Kind of a uh, a crazy thing there. But yeah, I totally forgot about that whole storyline. Right when they were talking about it, it took me like I don't know. Anik said it, then DC said it, and then I was like, oh man, I remember this whole thing, and it was like. It was like a done deal at the time, and it was just kind of a crazy like flashback to look how wrong we were. And then I then I checked the odds on it, and he was a minus two twenty favorite over Dustin. Again, Dustin's kind of on a big. That was like one of the earlier starts in his run. Although he had just beat Alvarez and Gaethje, I think. So I don't know. I guess uh, I guess that uh, those odds were just uh, they just missed a little bit. But either way, yeah. So that was my uh, my kind of uh, historic historical take of the week. Yeah, and to be fair, Holloway actually outlanded Poirier, I think, in that fight. So he had him hurt it wasn't twice. That he was like getting like beat up too bad. It was just like he was just getting actually he was getting beat up too bad. But it's not like he wasn't doing anything. It's just Poirier strikes just seemed so damaging that they were twice really as yeah. for uh, for Holloway. 
And I think Holloway clipped, like, flashbanged him in the first round because Dustin went down on a knee. He was coming forward, and I think Holloway clipped him. And Holloway had him in trouble a couple times with body shots, too. I think twice Holloway had him hurt. But, man, the damage was just super lopsided for – I mean, Dustin just landed some monster – like you said, it's just the size difference was all the all the difference in the world. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was still a good fight. It was more competitive than the scorecards would say. I think a lot of them had him, like, 49-46, but – it was more competitive than that, and uh, it was a good fight. I mean, but also thinking about all the damage Max has taken, like, and considering that that was some of the damage he took, he has taken a lot of uh, a lot of monster shots in his life. But yeah, right. But but he'll probably be off for a while after his last fight, and uh, who knows what's next for him? Maybe a Volkanovski fight. But that was kind of last week's topic, um, and uh, <clears throat> just like it's a couple weeks away, but. I'm pretty sure I'm uh, I'm leaning Dustin for the title fight, the upcoming title fight, whatever that is, December 15th or whatever. Early tape studies, but um, I kind of like the line where it's at about it's like minus 160 for uh, Poirier right now. But I don't know. Charles has surprised me before, so I guess uh, we'll just have to kind of work that one as we get closer to it. Yeah, exactly. I'm th- I was thinking Poirier out of my you know first initial reaction, but uh, yeah, we'll see. All right then. Well, maybe uh, maybe a reason I'm looking forward is because uh, these these fights were. I don't want to say this card sucked. It didn't suck. It had its moments, but not the greatest offering we've ever had. Um, no. Pretty weak card. I. I mean, we had uh, Catlin Vieira versus Misha Tate as our main event here. Um, probably only two reasons anyone was watching Misha Tate. Um, and I don't even know Catelyn Vieira. She, like you said, on the breakdown, she's pretty slow. I don't really think she's necessarily title challenger uh, potential either. Misha Tate's comeback, I don't really think. I never really had a huge belief in it. Um, but I did bet on Misha Tate, and uh, she did get beat up. So uh, takeaway from this fight, I guess, is just that uh, kind of the comeback kind of it's stalled out. This is where it ends, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Vieira, she was, uh, she definitely won the fight. She's landing the punches. She landed with more power. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know. It just seemed like her only advantage was size in there, really. And mm-hmm. that was Misha Tate's, like, main main issue. She seemed she seemed smaller, I feel like, than I remember her usually looking, didn't she? Didn't she seem, like, real skinny or something compared to usual? Yeah, she's been in, like, <clears throat> she's been in, like, more muscular, like, more ripped and, like, more shredded than I, she's ever been. Uh, ever in her career but but at the at the cost of like looking skinnier at the same time you know what i mean she has a yeah exactly she looks and Vera, yeah. i just don't think that's like the right strategy against her you know she wasn't no. like she was able to get in and out with her striking i mean in the end she's a wrestler right so like against a bigger opponent just doesn't doesn't seem like a good game plan i mean she looked decent in the first round uh and then from there she just kind of i don't know kind of fell off and Vera kind of kind of started taking over there yeah, and she could not get it to the ground. The only, the only time it really went to the ground, Vieira randomly shot for a takedown at the beginning of round one. That was really her best uh, her best offense was Vieira's bad game plan. And, and then her coaches were like, do not shoot another takedown. And then she was basically just counter-shotting her and just taking her out. Um, beat her up pretty bad, though. I mean, she's got some power, and she uh, she took care of her pretty, pretty, pretty handily as far as I uh, – as far as I saw. Yeah, exactly. 
So, all right then. So, I guess that's the, probably the end of the momentum for Misha Tate. I don't know how many more fights she has on her contract or how many she'll want to do, but kind of saw everything we needed to see as far as where where she is after a four-year layoff. Beat up, uh, what's her name, Marion Renault in her retirement fight, whatever. This gave us a better idea of what to expect going forward. Uh, Michael Chiesa, Sean Brady. This kind of probably should have been the main event. I don't know. Two, two, Sean Brady, big-time prospect. Michael Chiesa kind of been dabbling towards the top of the division. If he would have beat uh, Vicente Luca, he might have been next in line for a title shot, which he was very close to, but he just did, uh, didn't get it done. Um, Sean Brady was a pretty pretty decent favorite, maybe 160. I put through a little on him here. Um, but this was a pretty close fight. The uh, problem with this one for Chiesa was it was only three rounds, so Brady bagged the first two. And kind of kind of gassed out, but uh, finished uh, finished the fight and won the decision. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Kiesa, he uh, he pretty much gave this one away. I thought. I mean, definitely. He he lost the first two rounds. He just got taken down, and he couldn't. And he just was like comfortable be, having uh, Sean Brady on his back for the first two rounds straight. So, uh, he you know it goes to show. And then round three, he his coach told me need to go for it. He goes for it. And he's able, Sean Brady has him in that same position. He's able to get out, um, you know, and uh, he just, he could have done that the whole, the whole time, but he would just, uh, yeah, he was just, you know, he just, uh, I don't know, he just seemed like, yeah, we just couldn't get, couldn't get out of it. He's just too content with uh, just letting him hold his back and just uh, laying there and then doing nothing. So, yeah, I just uh, thought Sean Brady fought a pretty good game plan, but I thought as much as that, as it was Sean Brady finding a good game plan, it was Kiesa kind of giving this one away. Yeah, and uh, he was almost like having conversations and stuff in the act. He just looked out of it. Uh, not quite to the sleepy Stipe level, but it was like borderline on that. Like he couldn't get himself couldn't get himself going. And then he had a – he. I mean, he looked like he could have – Sean Brady looked like he – I heard that he broke his nose and he was like swallowing his own blood and that he was kind of like having some serious trouble breathing and that's part of the reason why he gasped, but – I mean, Sean Brady, as far as a prospect goes, I'm kind of in the fade, possible fade situation here if they put him up against a pretty good striker with decent takedown defense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sean Brady, he's he's a decent fighter. He's going to be a fringe top 10 guy. Like, I think, you know, 10 to 15 range for a little bit and then fade out. But, yeah, I, I just don't think he's, you know, at 170, he's, he's not going to be a, the real deal, I don't think. He's not going to be challenging for a title, you know. Uh, I think he's a good fighter, not a great fighter. Um, had a decent performance on Saturday night, but uh, it's going to take more than that against some of these other guys, you know? Yeah, like basically what I'm thinking here, uh, number one, I think Kamzat kills him. Number two, Vicente Luque puts him, like just knocks him out cold probably in one round. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, so the, the, but these are the guys, who, I mean, you're gonna be, they're going to be talking about him and Vicente Luque and stuff because I think Chiesa was ranked like fifth or sixth. So it's going to be like he's going to, his next fight's going to be against a top, I mean, he's going to fight a legit, a legit contender in his next fight. I know you probably don't put Chiesa in that range, but he's kind of fringe no. contender. He's kind of a fringe, fringe contender. contender. Because yeah, just overrated. Because of what know? he's able to do as far as holding guys down and stuff, not necessarily damaging guys, but guys like Vicente Luque that are contenders actually hurt people, and I think uh, Sean Brady's going to have some trouble when he runs into that that type of uh, that type of fight. And I'm gonna be all over the uh, all over the the fade, and it's nothing against Sean Brady, but just uh, wasn't super confident in what I saw as far as uh, um, kind of expecting him. If you're gonna if you're gonna 
win a win this way. I mean, if you're going to be a 160 over Michael Chiesa, I, I didn't think you, Michael Chiesa was going to almost be able to knock you out in the third because Michael Chiesa doesn't knock anybody out. So um, kind of didn't, didn't exactly like what I saw, but a good win nonetheless. So uh, anything else on Brady or Chiesa other than you're probably just happy to see Chiesa take a, take a loss? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they've really just given Chiesa like softball match. He gets the SPN job, you know, and then they just kind of give him a kind of give him some easy fights when he comes into 170. And then, you know, he gets the Vicente Luque one, which, you know, he wants to make a title push. So they'll figure like, oh, we'll stop giving him cans and actually give him a chance against Vicente Luque. And Vicente Luque destroys him, thank God. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely good to see Chiesa lose. You know, he's, you know, top three most hated fighters here. Because, like, Marlon Vera and Chiesa's, like, probably right up there. Like, I mean, Marlon Vera's clear number one, but Chiesa's up there too, so... And to get this straight, you have no reason to hate Chiesa, right? Just you just don't like wrestlers. Uh I don't know. It's more than just being a wrestler thing. It's like uh I don't Chiesa just pisses me off, you know. I don't like listening to him talk on the desk. He's just like, Hey, and you know, he shot the I really like this guy. Like, I don't know, he's just an idiot. He talks like this, he <laughs> looks like this, he moves like this. I don't know. I just pissed me off and uh I'm just not a fan of him, you know. I I, I can't really explain it. Just the wrestling boring fighting style and uh, i don't know getting the glass in the eye thing with <laughs> conor mcgregor that rubbed me the wrong way um yeah i don't know that's that's pretty much it so i guess it's kind of uh kind of unfounded but i got my reasons fair enough fair enough all right we'll move on to uh ronnie Aya and kang kung yo kang young ho um early fight on the early earlier card here and uh ronnie Aya got the decision not much more to add to that. He got clipped a couple times, but he's, I mean, he's pretty durable from what I saw. And uh, he's hes a guy that he grinds out wins, and that's what he did here. So uh, I think they said it was his 14th or 15th win in the Octagon. This is the first time I ever paid attention to him. So good win for uh, Ronnie Yaya. Yeah, yeah, it was a good win for him. I mean, I think this is as much Kang Hyung Ho as giving it away as it was Ronnie Yaya winning. I mean, he threw that knee or low kick and that's what Ronnie Aya did to get it to the ground both times so I mean it I think Kang Hyung Ho looked like the better fighter honestly in the fight it's just uh he got taken down and then controlled by Ronnie Aya but like when it was stand standing it clearly he looked like the better fighter it looked like he'd be able to avoid the takedowns but he you know once he catch the leg they catch the leg so you can't really avoid that so I, I don't know it was just stupid of him to be throwing that especially after the first round when he caught it and uh yeah i think he probably should have won this fight good for us because we picked ronnie yeah yeah but i mean i I don't know if it was the greatest pick honestly because i mean i think kang hung yo he should win that fight and he and he did it yeah it was uh it was uh not the most eventful fight but not too bad um next up joanne calderwood or joanne wood dropped the calder uh versus talia santos this was a uh, kind of a this fight could go two ways type of deal. Um, either potentially Talia Santos gasses out and Joanne Wood is able to take advantage of it, or Talia Santos steamrolls uh, Calderwood and or Wood in the first two rounds and bags enough, or she does what she did and she just lays a beat down on her from the start and puts her away and looks like a very legit. Um, very legit contender in this division and this was a good test for her and she basically dominated so good win for Tulia Santos and uh like you said about Joanne Wood maybe uh maybe coach slash husband was being a little too nice about um how things were going and it uh 
it cost her because she got she basically got a uh uh flatlined in that one right yeah she probably could have used the fire like from aspen lad's husband <laughs> instead of uh instead of her husband's uh cornering but uh yeah talia santos she's just the real deal i mean she's really good um it's just that gas tank honestly i mean we had, you know, we said maybe put the third round bet on uh, on Joanne Calderwood. I'm gonna, I'm honestly gonna fire that every time Talia Santos fights until she shows me she can go three rounds. So I think, you know, it's 35 to one. I think it hits well before we go 35 fights in the UFC. I mean, she won't have that many, but you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I no, I don't think it's a bad bet at all. That so, I yeah, think it's a so blind spot. I think again, there's, I think it's, and then we'll see. No, I think it's a legit blind spot that people. She's like nineteen and one. Her only loss is a split decision, questionable split decision loss earlier in her career. I think people just think like she's got no holes in her game and that she's always going to be able to bag the first two rounds and su- su- survive the third. And we've seen her look pretty winded in the third round. She did win this fight by submission, um, but I mean it was basically a knockout. Uh, yeah, I mean. That's the only thing, too. I mean, previous to this, she's been going to decision a lot, right? Like, if she starts finishing girls like she did to Joanne Calderwood, then maybe it's not that good of a bet. But if this was more of a, uh, you know, outlier and she goes to decision more often, then, you know, we'll have to kind of see how it plays. But I'll, I'll still bet the uh, the third round finished by her opponent in the next fight if it's if it's still 35-1 to 1 or in that range. Yeah, I don't blame you one bit. Um, it's a nice little hedge either way, too, so... Um, last fight we'll talk about Davy Grant versus Adrian Yanez. I believe this was fight of the night. If it wasn't, it should have been. Um, I think a lot of people are pretty high on Adrian Yanez. Um, I keep hearing a lot of the best boxer in the UFC type stuff, which is kind of just like the hot thing to say right now for whoever you're talking about. That's a decent stand-up fighter. Um, I do think Yanez is super solid, so not taking anything away from Davy Grant was competitive though in this fight. And, uh, I I don't think it was the boxing that won Yanez's fight. I think it was his chin. He took some solid shots. He ducked into some shots. I mean, I don't think his defense was his defense was super crisp un, unless Davy Grant was throwing that right counter and he was just ducking into this counter over and over. And I'm like, he's gonna duck into one of these and get put away. But his chin held up. He won the fight. Um, he looked pretty good. I think I think his hype is kind of building. And uh, I mean, he like I said, he won the fight, but. Saw some stuff that kind of worried me a little bit. Other than uh, if his chin can always hold up, then I think he'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he was rolling with a lot of the punches, but there was some that just that hit him just as clean as can be, and he and he you know did not roll with it too well. But uh, Davy Grant has that power. It's just uh, you know they say you know usually the punches that put him out are the ones they don't see. You could definitely see every punch that <laughs> Davy Grant was throwing. He was winging up from you know. He's reaching behind his back to throw those right hands. So you can definitely see him coming. Um, I think that's kind of what it saved Adrian Yanez from the knockouts, you know. So, I mean, Davey Grant, he's a solid fighter. He's more of a journeyman, though. So, uh, But, you know, he's tough as nails. Uh, just wings, bombs, and uh, he usually goes three rounds. But, uh, yeah, Adrian Yanez looks good. I mean, definitely not the best boxer in the UFC. I mean, I, I don't know how you could say that when you got Max Holloway just lighting up people. But, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, he is good. He's kind of the hot prospect right now at Bantamweight. So uh, we'll see uh, where he goes from here and who he fights next. And we'll see if that's the that's the case still, you know? Yeah, he'll definitely get another a, a big step up because I think they're going to try to give him that push. Um, nice little feel-good story. Davey Grant and Adrian Yanez went out to eat together with both of their families after the fight. 
nice little picture that one of them posted. So nice little feel-good story. They can beat each other up for 15 straight minutes, and then they can uh, be friends. And I don't know if you saw Yanez's ear after the fight, but that was a wild cauliflower ear swelling he had going on. No, I didn't see it. Oh, man, his ear, I mean, it instantly filled up, and it was like it was like flopping off his head like this. Like Basically, uh, if you remember when Kimbo Slice splattered that guy's ear, Adrian Yanez oh, is basically yeah. one punch away from that being his ear. Jeez. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. So other than that, I mean, not the best card. I mean, I don't want to take be too rough on it. I mean, we're getting we're getting a lot of good cards now. We're getting a lot of cards every week. We almost never get a break outside of this week. And then I think there may be two cards, and then there's like a decent break. So um, other than that, I mean, sort of a down card after a pretty intense run we had. So no complaints out of me. Uh, kind of watched this one casually. Didn't put as many bets in. Uh, won a couple of them. I had a Yanez and Sean Brady bet. I had a Santos and uh, Brady bet, I believe. So nothing major. Do you have any good parlays or anything that ended up hitting? No, dude. Like I, uh, I didn't even put in any bets. Um, I had like a terrible migraine. I didn't even. I had to watch the card uh, the other day. I couldn't even watch it live. So uh, I think I would have won some, but. Even if I would have put them in beforehand, I probably wouldn't. Have, I probably would have had Misha Tate on the parlays, and uh, I probably wouldn't have been able to put it in because, like, I couldn't even look at uh, my phone screen. My head hurt so bad. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. I had Misha Tate on some of mine too, so I definitely i I lost uh, I lost any of my. Uh, I had her somewhere in the middle for my confidence level, so I uh, I lost a good portion of what I bet. But I I mean I don't know. It's pretty close in the end, so I don't got the exact numbers, but. Um, basically wrap this card up then and just kind of throw it in the trash. It wasn't too bad. wasn't too good. Saw some stuff that we'll use going forward, but otherwise nothing, uh, nothing super consequential from this one. So move on then to our, uh, our segments here before we wrap things up. And, uh, we'll start with our, isn't he awesome and our weekly call out. I think this is, uh, your turn to go first this week, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, isn't he awesome? We got uh, Jose Aldo. I mean, we got a, we got an off week, but our next card, he's going to be headlining. Um, you know, I just think it's always a treat to watch him fight. He just, uh, he still has it. It's crazy. He moved down to 135 when everyone said he was, you know, going to move up to 155 eventually because he couldn't make 145. But, uh, you know, he brought the weight down and he, he I mean, he's a killer. He, I think this is going to be a tough fight. I think I might go with Jose Aldo here. I haven't really even looked at the lines yet, but, uh, but it's just tough to go against Jose Aldo, especially when he's fighting another midget. You know, if it, there's like a th- I, I swear to God, if he's fighting somebody taller than him, he's going to lose. If they're shorter than him or his height, he usually wins. So um, it should be uh, at least a close fight. So I think if he's like a decent underdog, I, I, I like that uh, like that pick. But, yeah, I got to give o- Jose Aldo the shout out there. All right, real quick. Right now, Jose Aldo's plus 120 underdog. Rob Font minus 140. Um, if you're thinking Rob Font's a midget, though, you can't. You have to account for his super long arms. He has a really Ooh, long yeah, reach. That's true. He's got monkey arms. Huh? Yeah, I don't know how tall he is, but he's got some long arms. I remember that was the that was basically the factor in uh, the Garbrandt fight. And uh, on top of that, he another kind of like uh, buzzword. He he's got the uh, a lot of people say he's got the best jab in the UFC. So I, what what is your uh, Aldo jab defense. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, he has a good jab, but Aldo is Aldo's quick, man. He can. Uh, I think he'll get inside. He lands that body shot, drops the hands, goes to the head. I mean, he's he's 
got really quick hands. He's got quick feet. I mean, um, his wrestling can be decent at times if he needs it. I think it's a it's a tough fight for Rob Font, and uh, you, you will really see if he's the real deal here or not. Yeah, and I would I would argue that Aldo's last performance against Pedro Munoz was one of his best in this back half yeah. of his career. He looked as good definitely. as he's looked since he had the belt. Yeah, he looked really good. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna definitely gonna go back and watch that one before the uh, before the Aldo fight because. Uh, yeah, I think that was definitely one of his best performances in in a long time. Early. Yeah, he looked so fast. He looked he looked unbelievably fast with some of the combos he was throwing. So, I mean, I I don't know. Does Rob Font kind of just feel like he's one of these guys? He's he's on that little streak where people are just getting ahead of themselves, and maybe he'll come back to earth. Like he's on a heater right now. Maybe he's not. Yeah. I agree with you on that, honestly. I'm not saying it's I true. Think, yeah. I'm saying that's my feeling because I'm no expert in this field, but you know you just get that feeling about certain guys like there's a reason that it's taken this long and uh, it's just kind of a, a temporary heater and maybe not a long-term uh, substan- yeah, I mean, substantiated. Yeah, he lost to Pedro Munoz in 2017. He lost to uh, Sun Sao in 2018. Yeah, he's on a little bit of a run, but it's really his only good win was Cody Garbrandt. I mean, he beat Marlon Marais. That that is a good win. Uh, but we, you know, we see what Marlon Marais how to beat him. You just gotta, you know, out outlast him. You gotta last half of a round, and you got him. So, um, and it's just Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simone, Marlon Marais, and Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, it's a decent. Uh, but I, I just, I think maybe it's a little overrated. I think you're right. Yeah, I just kind of get that feeling that maybe this isn't a. This is more of a. Jorge Masvidal winning a couple in a row and all of a sudden he's the hot prospect or the hot fighter in the division as opposed to what he's shown us on paper for the last however many years so maybe maybe not but either way we'll see a big test here if you beat Aldo though there's no more questions yeah yeah definitely he'll be on I think this is probably like almost like a title eliminator for him I mean maybe one more after this but he's got to be real close for sure all right what do you got for a call out this week uh, call out. Let's see here. Uh, we'll do Tyron Woodley. We're calling out Tyron Woodley. You see, I don't know if you had him or not, but, uh, he's, uh, you know, he got the, he got the tattoo and, uh, and he doesn't get the fight. I mean, he's just, uh, embarrassing himself at this point. Like you waited so long and, uh, you, you know, you thought you were going to get the fight without the tattoo. And, uh, you know, Jake Paul called, you know, calls the bluff that, you know, you thought you're going to get it. You don't. I don't know how he thought he was going to get it without getting that tattoo right away. If I was him, I would have got that tattoo the very next day after he said that. You know, he waited too long. I was saying that. He thought he was going to get the fight. And then once he realizes it, you know, it's been too long. He goes out and gets it. Well, they've already moved on. Uh, Jake Paul basically said, you know, you waited too long. And and now he's just sitting around with the uh, I Love Jake Paul tattoo on his finger looking like a dork without the... uh, Without the fight, without the money, so he really, uh, he really messed himself up here, you know. For sure, and I, uh, if you want me to get even sadder, go look at the Instagram posts of that. Pre- oh, so there was a press conference today. Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. This is basically just celebrity boxing at this point. Um, and Tyron Woodley's in in the comments on every one of the posts, so it does even get even sadder. <laughs> no, him actually, Tyron Woodley. He's in the. He's, he's in the like comment. He's in the comment like, section. Supposed to be fighting me. He's, he's in the like comment section on every single one on all the posts. Uh, Ariel posted it because Ariel, obviously, Ariel loves celebrity boxing more than he loves. Ariel loves celebrity boxing and WWF, WWE 
more than he likes MMA. So, And he likes tearing Brendan Schaub to absolute shreds <laughs> live on air. That's his number one thing. That's his number one skill, honestly. And he's actually very, very good at that. No no disrespect <laughs> to his his takedown game because... <laughs> doesn't take much, though. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Schaub, talk about a guy that gives you, a, gives you plenty of ammo. But yeah, Tyron Woodley fumbled the bag on that one and uh I, I straight up said dude just get the tattoo right away he might he might get a rematch out of it right away it almost made sense at the time because people i know everybody thought at maybe this is all worn off but within 24 48 uh 72 hours everyone thought tyron woodley just ran out of time and if they ran it back then he'd get knocked out that's what everybody wants to see everyone wants to see jake paul finally get knocked out so you could say all right, we'll run it back. And I could see people being like, this time he's going to get him because they don't know the frozen one. They don't know Tyron Woodley. They don't know that he, this is what he does every time he fights. And he even fro- he's even the frozen one about getting the tattoo. He froze and didn't get it for too long. Yeah, right? Dude, good point. Goes right with the style, dude. That's typical Tyron. Again. So, Tyquil. Yeah, so fumbled the bag. Now he's in the, now he's, uh, basically in the comment section with the rest of us just uh just a uh casual bystander peanut gallery right yeah he should have got that tattoo i mean what's the you know if if right if you do it right after jake paul says the tattoo thing right like he's gonna give you the fight it seems like like if he does if you go out and get the tattoo like immediately after he says it and he doesn't like that's kind of a bad look like when you wait a month at thinking you're gonna get the fight or two months or whatever like then it's like nobody cares about yeah, it. Yeah, he let the like, hype he let the hype fall off. That's what I mean. Because right after that fight, it, I think that was that a split decision even? People are like Yeah, and he dropped him and stuff. Like there was there was heat there, you know, and everybody I just remember it as Tyron Woodley getting his ass kicked now. Like, yeah, but like that's after exactly. the fight, you're like, Oh, he almost beat him, you know? But and you know now Tyron. it's just like oh a loss. You know Tyron. Normal people don't know Tyron. He dropped him or he hurt him, and everyone was thinking he just ran out of time. If he had one more round, let alone eight more rounds, he would definitely put him out cold. And then everyone just forgot. And honestly, this is my biggest thing about it. I would have gotten tattooed in the ring if it got me the rematch. This is the, <laughs> the bottom line is this. He is so dark that you couldn't see the tattoo anyways, so who cares? Yeah, right? Just put it anywhere. Fuck it. Yeah, could have got it on his chest, could have got it on his neck. You wouldn't be able to see it. I mean, it's just... He fumbled the bag. He, he he froze again. So, I mean, he deserved to lose after he walked out to his own rap song. That kind of took some heat off it for me as well. But, I mean, he definitely botched it. He's one of those guys where I root for him, and then he reminds me every time why I don't root, why I shouldn't be rooting for him. Yeah, right. And this was just a prime example. So now he's sitting at home. Um, hope- yeah, you want to like the guy, but yeah. when it comes down to it, it's hard to do it. Yeah, he's one of those guys he just makes you 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 almost pull for him until he makes you until he does the whatever he does every single time. So um so good call out. Uh he definitely deserved that one. Uh any more call outs? Uh I don't we'll we'll call out Kiesa real fast. I just I won't rub it in too hard, but uh dude's a dork. You know, we hate him, so we're we're <laughs> glad he lost here and uh just extra sweet that he probably knows he should have won that fight and uh, and he didn't because he just uh, he didn't give it his all. So I hope that uh, really burns him up inside. Yeah, I mean to get it straight, I have no ill will towards him. You want me in with that every time, and I'm fine with it because I don't care either way. But <laughs> I don't have ill will towards him. His fighting style is boring, though. 
His fighting style does bore me to yeah, you to do, absolute dude. death. Stop trying to stop trying to suck up get to yourself him. Out of this, yeah, you hate this guy. <laughs> well, I hate his fighting style. He's one of those guys where his way of winning is just by not letting you hit him. That's all he can do. Basically, he doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I love I love betting on him to get submitted because everyone, I mean, they're on to him now. But it's like everyone thinks, oh, wrestler, jujitsu guy, he must have good submission defense, and that's like the worst thing in his whole arsenal. So. Right. Um, he's so stiff he can't defend you got to be flexible to do jiu-jitsu well at least defend it i think so yeah and that's his problem and you how do you can't. go from having a a, a, a submission 100 percent locked up on vicente luque 30 seconds later you're tapping out <laughs> he's got no heart <laughs> that's pretty wild so anyhow hey, another mini a mini call out yeah go ahead know. Sean Brady casts his uh, opponent, and this is just anybody who has that devil tattoo thing oh on their back. It, just, it looks so stupid, man. <laughs> like, here's like a PSA. If you're thinking that that looks cool and maybe going to get that tattoo, like, don't because it looks so dumb. Yeah. Sean Brady was on, he was, uh, he fought the week before our first ever podcast. Remember, I used to just rate tattoos every time I saw a new one. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> that is probably the craziest like full back tattoo he said in the they did a whole preview like a a whole like promo shoot on how he's gonna get his whole body tattooed except his face so yeah like a japanese bodysuit or something yeah 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 you saw that it's like kind of nothing not 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 bashing his tattoos or whatever but like that's kind of like they're really like digging for stuff to do promo on because that's not really that compelling to anybody who cares about fighting you know what i'm saying no the the rest of the tattoos look fine. I just I don't like those giant devil back tattoos. I think Volkov has one too. I think I think they're dumb as hell. I, I I'm not hating on tattoos. I like most of them. Like and uh, yeah, I think the rest of them look fine. I don't really know what they are. They kind of all mix in together. But uh, it's just that one. I I don't like the anything that big. You know, you got to have it. Uh, it's like a just cartoon. One big picture. Yeah, exactly. And it's way too big. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just don't get tattoos that big. I I think it could be anything if it was that if it's your whole back and just one solid like face or whatever, it's just gonna look dumb. You know? I think it's too red. It's super red. It's like you a- know, it would be funnier if he did it on his chest with like the with his nipples as the eyes. You know, that would be a <laughs> lot better than on your back. Yeah, I'm. I don't know, man. MMA that th- those are well done, but like most MMA is like the worst tattoos. It's the worst sport for tattoos because they all have just terrible, like almost prison level tattoos. His are all well done, but yeah, I don't think it's a quality thing. It's just uh, no, it's not quality. Uh, I it's, think it's a content thing, you know. Yeah, I'm with you there. So <laughs> hopefully that doesn't. Hopefully that trend doesn't catch on too uh, <laughs> too, too much. Um, Japanese body suits, that is. So uh, all right, then any other call outs or shout outs for the week? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's all I got. All right, then I'll move on to mine. I got a shout out. Isn't he awesome? Platinum Perry fighting this week in Triller, somewhat of a fall from grace. They used to have the biggest event in town, Jake Paul and, uh, type Mike Tyson. Now they're hosting their new thing. They're calling triad combat. Apparently it's a triangle ring. Um, and, uh, Platinum Perry's fighting in it this week. I think he's November. Platinum, I thought he was in uh, bare knuckle boxing. He is. He's in between. He gets to fight in this, and then he's fighting in bare knuckle boxing. I don't know who his opponent is, but he's a small underdog. Platinum Perry is. I think he's like plus one twenty. Um, if history tells us anything, he completely forgot how to punch. So uh, that's bad news for him. Um, 
Frank Mir is headlining it. The ring is a triangle. Apparently, if you catch guys in the corner of a triangle ring, like they can't get out, so you can beat them into into a pulp. That's the whole point. They're like kind of pushing this violence angle. So, uh, really, yeah, that's what it is. It's they're calling it triad combat. So, Jesus. so I guess I'm gonna have to tune in. Yeah, I guess this triangle ring. I guess is if you catch a guy in the corner, there's like there's no escape. So. Um, there's gotta be a way to get out somehow. Right? I mean, you can, but think about it. Like think about trying like a square. It's a yeah, 90 it's degree, tough, right? 90 degree angle. You're going to be able, you can go left or right without too much, uh, um, being trapped in there. Triangle talking about acute angles here. You, you the deeper you get yeah. in the triangle, the more stuck you are. So <laughs> I don't know much Sounds about like, acute angles, but I think it'd be tough to get out, you know? <laughs> It sounds like it's what, what honestly what it sounds like to me is they're trying to get somebody killed. <laughs> it sounds like they want somebody yeah, to die right. in the ring. They should do that like old old boxing style where they just put their foot both put their foot in the middle and they can't move it and they just punch each other in the face until someone falls down. Well, that's probably next on the list. We uh we called it I don't know how long ago it was. It's probably coming up on not quite coming up on a year. It's probably coming up on like six or eight months where we said Triller would probably not be around for very long. And um, at the point they are now, I'm pretty sure that we're probably watching like a last, uh, a last gasping breath at what they can do. Yeah, the the triad. Like it's just a bad name. Like I don't know. I don't think it's going anywhere. As cool as it sounds. Oh, and if they didn't blow their anywhere. whole budget on overpaying a bunch of super washed up guys they have a metallica concert at right afterwards so they're they're hitting all the Literally demo metallica yeah so they're wow they're they're rounding up the whole demographic here and uh i guess as long as no one dies they're gonna have a metallica con- well probably if someone dies they'll probably have a even crazier metallica concert so that's where they're at yeah right hopefully it's not platinum perry hopefully he's doing the killing and not getting killed um Oh, I think I think we're safe there. I hope so. Uh, next up, I got another one more shout out for uh, the guy that attacked uh, Seth Rollins, the WWE guy in the Barclays Center. Have you seen this video? No. A goofball comes out of the crowd, spear tackles Seth Rollins, who I think his name's Seth Rollins. I'm talking like I know um, something Rollins. I'm pretty sure. Uh, the guy's coming up the walk. He finished his match. He's leaving the arena. You know how WWE is. You walk your entrance and your exit are like the most important part. A dude comes around the corner, busted out of the stands, spears him Goldberg style, and then he's he's on top of him. I mean, uh, the wrestler Rollins tried to put him in like a guillotine thing. No shot. Turns out these fake fighters can't actually fight for shit. This fan's like Jeez. working him. And uh, that's a bad look when some fat <laughs> WWE fan comes and beats up your superstar, dude. Like, yeah, this guy's a, that's the only reason I know this guy is because he is one of the sign bigger this names. Guy up, you know, you got to sign him to a contract now, right? Is this what that guy's plan was? Do you think, like, if it was his plan, I don't think it worked. They signed him to prison. He's uh, he got he went straight to jail. Um, it took like three rounds to get. Yeah, he needs a bigger Twitter following first. Like, if you got a good following and then you beat this guy up and start talking all the shit, like, then you might make something happen. But if you're just, yeah. like, drunk, like, I don't know, white trash guy from a trailer park in Juliet, then maybe, maybe not. Like, I don't know, though. I Yeah, I, it took a couple refs to get him off, and everyone, everyone's like, oh, this thing, you don't know if it's real or fake because it's wrestling. I'm pretty sure it was real. I'm pretty sure this guy came out of the stands and pulled a stunt here. And, uh, 
people were like, oh, the Rollins guy handled it like a pro, but he really did not. I feel like he looked he looked like he was like scared. He looked like he got his ass kicked. And then he like got back really? he got back into character when there's four security guards on the guy. Like, yeah, you can act tough then. Basically what wrestling is is like you act tough when you know the outcome of everything and it's all scripted, but he uh he he had no takedown like he couldn't handle a fat loser from the crowd. Like that's how bad it is. So I don't know. I want to give the guy a shout out. He probably won the match, but uh he's probably gonna get a pretty hefty fine, if not some uh some some small jail time, depending on what his criminal record is. Probably first time leaving the basement, so he's probably gonna just get probation. Yeah, he needs to go heal in the courtroom, you know. <laughs> he needs to talk about how this is entertainment. He's just bringing the value, like, you know, check it out. It's all over the media. Honestly, you the know. craziest part is if he got a hold of Vince McMahon and told him that, Vince would probably love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Drop the charges. Yeah. Sign him up. Yeah, Vince would probably be like, you know what? You're right. You're exactly right. These this got us the bump yeah. we've needed. I haven't we I would I've never this is the first piece of WWE news we've ever talked about, so. One of them, yeah. One of them. See, it's crossing all crossing all uh, genres here. But yeah, it was it was uh it was electric, the most exciting thing I've ever seen in WWE. So shout out to this guy. And I mean, probably pretty exciting when you go tackle like your arch enemy, like let's say this is like 2003 or whatever, and you hate like The Undertaker because he beat Stone Cold, and you tackle him and you actually are kicking his ass. Like, that must feel like you must feel like a superhero. Yeah, like if I beat up, uh, if I beat up Kiesa or something like yeah. that. Or, like, well, imagine yeah. if you went after Marlon Vichito Vera on his walkout after he just won the fight against uh, uh, Sean O'Malley, and you actually take him down, you're actually beating him up. I mean, how good would you feel? Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, that'd be pretty badass. I mean, I might get a contract, you know. Dana would definitely sign you if you did that. Yeah, Dana would say this was all part of uh, Dana White's looking for a fight, and we got to sign this guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, enough on that. I'll move to my call-out. I got uh, calling out this week the judge that gave uh, Davy Grant a 30-27 scorecard. What was this guy watching? Like, we've seen this happen occasionally on split decisions, but – doesn't it seem like it's always one guy, like 30-27, like I just decided before the fight I was going to give the other guy every single round? Yeah, it is. It's just a guy that doesn't know what he's doing, I feel like, every time. I mean, I guess this could – it could be like uh, – yeah, I guess no, but like damage. Like, I guess when you read the rules, I think some of these guys just read the rules and just don't get it, you know? Like it's got to yeah. be like, oh, but, like uh, the most damage when he landed the big biggest shot, so you just give him the rounds, I don't know. I wouldn't have complained if he gave it two to one, but Adrian Yanez clearly dominated that second round like pretty significantly. It was not close. It's like you would have to have decided before the fight you were just going to give all three rounds or just have some weird bias or something like catch on to it was some. Bisbing. What's that? It was Bisbing. Well, that may, that would Bisbing make sense. Good. That would absolutely make sense then because Davy Grant's British, so it you're probably right then. Except it probably would have been thirty twenty five, but oh yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's my uh, that's my only call out this week. I don't really uh, I don't know where they find some of these judges at, but it's insanity. Uh, we see this. Yeah, they're bad. We've seen this Very a few bad. times. Like, I don't know what the worst one ever is. Probably the ref that gave uh, Paul Felder the win over RDA, and that ended up being a split decision. And every <laughs> other ref had it fifty forty five. That's got to be the worst one ever. That was not even close. 
<laughs> I know. And the craziest part is no one like not it's it's not a big deal because you know the right guy's gonna win. Sometimes it closer fight, sometimes I screwed up, but you go back and like look at Wikipedia and you're like, damn, that was a split decision. Must have been a good fight. But it was not close fights. So uh pretty wild one though. So that's it for my call outs though. Uh any other call Dude. outs? Check this out. This thing is saying Triller's paying Frank Mir more for tri- uh, for triad combat bout than he made to rematch Brock Lesnar in the UFC at UFC 100. Yeah, they keep saying that stuff though, but it, I don't know. I I feel like they're they're lying. I feel like they're saying that as like trying to leverage something because they they keep saying that. Like who else? Who said that the first time? Like the, this somebody on the. Because I think this is Frank Mir's second time fighting on a Triller card. Um, yeah. And I think somebody else said, like, this is, like, the biggest the biggest uh, paycheck they've ever got, like, more than they've ever made. I don't know. They all seem to say – they all seem to take a shot at the UFC whenever they can. It's like Corey Anderson saying he made, like, four times what he ever made in UFC in one Bellator, two Bellator fights or whatever. But, I mean, maybe it's true. Maybe – I mean, they're paying Metallica to come put on a concert. Like, anybody cares – like, right. like who's like, I want to go same for Metallica, right? And yeah, uh, it's like, I want to go see a fight in a Metallica concert in the same night. Like, perfect. Like, that's my dream. There's not very many people that are thinking <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fight in a triangle <laughs> and see Metallica. <laughs> the more I think about it, though, the Stupid. more I want to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> the triad Metallica right. concert. Yeah, well, it's better their first time around. They had like a concert between every single fight, which I didn't watch it, but I remember uh, I tuned in for the main event, I think. But yeah, Triller, I don't know who's running that show, but there's some goofballs. So anyhow, probably wrap things up here and head to our uh, respective Thanksgiving breaks. Um, anything anything close before we close it up? Uh, I don't think so. Just uh, tune in for Try Combat. <laughs> yeah, there we go. The only... Uh, Looks like the only thing we got on the menu this week other than turkey is triad combat. So uh, we probably won't read. Oh, this weekend too? I think so. I think it's the 27th. Oh, yeah, man. Kind of sucks. These guys can't uh, spend Thanksgiving with their families, but somebody's got to entertain us and keep us bloodthirsty heathens satisfied over our uh, Thanksgiving break. So we we do respect them for it. We thank them for their service, but we'll – We'll wrap it up right. then, and uh, we'll be we will be back at some point next week, maybe, and uh, have a card to preview. So maybe some triad combat to recap, since we won't have a card. But other than that, enjoy your break, enjoy Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week, dude. Platinum Perry, Platinum Perry is a plus three hundred underdog. Whoa, we might have to throw down on him. Oh yeah. All right then, you heard it here first. Platinum Perry spraying the upset. We will see you all next week with a big Platinum Perry cast.
watch me do the damn I got respect, yo. Trying to bang your boy, man. 